Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Picciuto, and I'm super excited to have my good friend, Richard Mianuli, with me today on the podcast. Rick, how are you? Yeah, I prefer Rick is good. Okay, Rick, Rick's fine. Richard. Uh, Rick, obviously, uh, we've known each other for a very long time, but uh, why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about who you are and how we know each other? Uh, yeah, uh, my name Rick Mianuli. I guess I know you when I moved to North Caldwell in... The fifth grade, and you actually were a bully to me. I was, then. I was a bully to you back then. But times have changed, and bullying is not cool. And we're best friends now. We are, yeah. Uh, actually, you know, we got to thank your sister for that because uh, I, 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 I remember the most random things, uh, full of useless information. <laughs> you would bully me on the bus because we took the bus and. We live right around the corner from each other, and uh, your sister like kind of like broke it up, and I don't remember much more than that. It's funny. I've, I've, I'm trying to get my sister to come on the pod because she, for some reason, has some lack of memory of her being like kind of like a badass in high school. Like she doesn't think she was like extremely tough, but she was. Like people were afraid of her. I mean, maybe not like afraid of her, but like they. Well, I think as in high school, it tapered down, but in junior high, like, yeah, or even junior high, like, yeah, fifth, sixth grade, like, you, you didn't fuck with her. She was badass. She played yeah. sports. She was like, She you put know. you down. Listen, you know, you you hit, I guess, puberty earlier than me. I was a small, shrimpy Later, kid. What do you mean? I didn't get big till junior summer. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but you would, like, be on me, and uh, your sister just like, uh, no, To be fair, it was, it was verbal bullying, not, like, oh, be- yeah, beatings. Yeah. Like, maybe maybe the backpack I was, like, 70 pounds until, like, eighth grade. <laughs> yeah. Boy, I wish for, uh, long for those days. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, so tell, uh, tell the listeners, obviously, uh, uh, the podcast that will drop before our episode is going to be the one I have with Steve, mm-hmm. your co-host with Beer You Are Podcast. But uh, how did you guys kind of come up with the concept, and uh, what made you guys kind of decide to start that podcast? Yeah, I guess just uh, Steve and I, uh, one of my best friends, we've just had such this relationship where whether it's movies, TV, sports, where we could just shoot the shit for hours and he kind of followed in my footsteps. I'll, I'll take this credit. Sorry, Steve. I was really in the beer connoisseur thing from now. It's been about 11 years because of you when we used to go to Cloverleaf. Oh, yeah. And I kept the craft beer like fad thing and it became like a, a junky thing of mine for a while. Steve got into it. I turned him into it. And then I'm like, listen, why don't we just start doing this podcast and see where it goes? And, uh, that the rest is really history. The timing, and I don't know what Steve didn't discuss. We started the podcast one month before COVID hit, yeah. and uh, we were only going to do audio like this, have the same gear that you do. And then pandemic hit, and we're like, all right, we need to figure out a way to adapt. And it was like, uh, you know, a blessing in disguise because we did this thing. If you're not familiar, it's called IG Live, which was kind of new back then because. Originally, it was 30 minutes, then they moved to 60. Now you could do like four hours, do a six split screen. But I saw someone had a 108-minute live. 108 minutes. I don't get it. It's like aggressive. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this isn't Howard Stern or Roga. But listen, I mean, I, we've we've seen like statistically, you could see how long people are on and off. Like the sweet spot when we would, so we would then have guests on. Like we had like a DJ that was in the beer. We'd have like brewmasters and other like beer influencers 30 minutes is the sweet spot for it i feel like an interview is what we did interesting i try to go for about an hour with my podcast but it's just really based on how the conversations go Mm -hmm. but i would understand for someone holding their phone in their hand for 30 plus minutes is 
and, dr- and drinking too. You know, like yeah. <laughs> usually we're never drinking a beer clocking under eight percent. And I'm like, you know, we the format would be: listen, we would get the guest on, we'd have them, you know, talk about it a week before. We would then send them the loose format of the questions and everything. But I, if you ever watch any of our episodes towards the end, like not saying get a little sloppy, but you kind of get a little ADD and you go off track a little bit. So we feel you yeah, have 30. But listen, we've had people up to an hour because it just you go down a rabbit hole. But yeah, 30 to an hour. I would the say the, the one big disappointment for me for our recording session today, and obviously we put it off a week. Um, what happened to the Bud Light? Oh, oh, oh that's right. That do is you have right. any Bud Light? Here? I mean, I do, but like I just don't really drink beer anymore. And we've talked about this ever since you guys started the podcast because – you know, I love what you guys are doing. The content's amazing. Your passion for it is awesome. I mean, the two of you guys are, are work so well together talking about this stuff. But ever since, like, all those, you know, two years or whatever that we binged all those beers at Cloverleaf, it just doesn't do it for me anymore. I drink much more wine back on the bourbon train, which I'm I'm happy to be <laughs> back on. Bourbon's great. But, yeah, but it's like bourbon, it's wine, it's scotch, and it's like I just don't drink that much beer. Is it because the way it makes you feel? Because one thing I've noticed yeah. in the past few years, date myself, I'm about to be 35, you're already <laughs> 35. These doubles or these triple IPAs, and specifically New England IPAs that literally look like orange juice, they have lactose in and all these adjuncts and shit. Like it's, I wouldn't even know what the calorie count is on the beer, but I had a triple the other day. I sipped it over two hours. Next day, one beer, had a fucking headache all day. Really? Yeah, so I mean like, it tastes so delicious because it's really like a beer for really people that sweet, don't like beer. Yeah. But yeah, it, the risk is it worth the reward. Where I feel like five, seven, ten, ten years ago, obviously, didn't have that issue. So because my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, same thing, like loves these beers. But just like you, he's like, I stick to the wine. I have the bourbon and I'll have light beer. Like I'll fuck with it when I'm with you, Rick. But besides that, I'm not doing it often. Yeah. And I mean, I can get very drunk on bourbon and I can get very drunk on wine. And I very, very, ran- very, very randomly wake up with a hangover. If and it's good stuff, you won't. Right. Yeah. For sure. It depends what you're having. Absolutely. But, you know, for me, it's like I don't, I don't, I don't like that bloated feeling. Like I would rather be eating food and drinking wine or be eating food and having bourbon versus like having a heavy beer and a meal. Yeah, like and this, I could tell, like, right now, like, the ring's loose, but, like, after the next morning, I can't take my rings off. Really? Because you like no. swollen up? Yeah. <laughs> That's so, pretty funny. But, yeah, we're just getting old, man. Yeah, well, you know, I, I've been 35 for four months now, <laughs> and I feel good. I mean, honestly, I got, we're first fully in-person, vaccinated, cheers, Mike cheers, uh, so podcast in person. So this is your second in-person? This is my second in-person podcast. The first one with, was with my... Uh, Irish writer friend Freya, which I, I know you enjoyed the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is my first fully vaccinated in-person podcast. And, and the obvious hope is to do a lot more of these yeah. in the future. Maybe some mic stands. Next time. Maybe some mic stands. Hey, listen, this is, this is all new, man. This is episode 12 or 13. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I know you're getting old. It's hard to hold, hold this two and two pound microphone up in your hand for That's a while. Nice. <laughs> you know, it'd be like like this. <laughs> for sure um i've got a bone to pick with you forget about the beer but we both recently watched the snyder cut of justice league mm-hmm. um i have a lot of thoughts and i would like to reserve mine because they're right until after you go with your wrong take so okay. tell me what your thoughts were on the snyder league justice cut justice league snyder cut well to delve in a little more so i'm a a father of a two-and-a-half-year-old, and my wife is eight months pregnant. So I broke the movie up into four one-hour sessions. Fair. 
So it was like kind of like watching Game of Thrones or like a show because really that shit's all like a movie anyway. So I don't know, maybe because it was broken up like that, like the boredom never set in. But I like the story. I've also, believe it or not, I've never seen the original one. Neither did I. Okay, so yeah. I know that apparently the weed inversion left a lot of bad taste in people's mouths. So that was my question. If you saw that, so maybe you just came in being like, fuck this movie. No, I didn't see the original. Um, I did see Batman versus Superman, yep. which also wasn't good. I don't know who yeah. did that. Was that Whedon as well? Or was know. that Snyder? I can't remember. It was definitely that, wasn't Snyder. That was not a good movie no. either. And I mean, for the most part, I don't have a preference like character-wise, like love me Superman, love me some Batman. Like, I, like the characters are rootable characters, like people that you want to see on film in good stories. Do you not like... I don't know. I feel like the Chris Nolan movies like kind of like oh. set such a different. Those oh, shouldn't just those. be standalone. Like, listen, like this was some epic masterpiece that happened, but you can't. At least like Marvel has always been consistent because there's always been some same management running that it's with the different money. directors. It's the money difference. At I Disney, mean, ultimately, Disney money. Yeah, it's that Disney money. It's that <laughs> Mickey Mouse motherfucking money that makes a huge difference. But here's my issue: the Nolan trilogy for the Batman movies is three of the best, arguably three of the best films ever made. Comic book movies, definitely. You could take the comic book aspect out of it and, and stand alone and works the, of art. They're works of art. They're yeah. tremendous films. My problem with the Snyder cut of the Justice League movie, obviously number one is the the length. It's fucking ridiculously long. It could have been uh, thirty to forty five minutes shorter. At the least. original was just over two hours. Okay, yeah. fine. Didn't see it, but whatever. Maybe I will. I think you could still see it. Yeah. So my question is, four hours and two minutes, you're obnoxiously long. There was so much in that movie that it didn't need to be in there. We can agree on that, I would think. But like, why does Zack Snyder have to be the biggest douche on the planet and fucking film that thing in 16.9? And don't tell me IMAX. Because no one's going, no to, one's the going to the movie theaters. So it's like, what was the thought process? Okay, you're an artist. You want the aspect ratio for IMAX. Bullshit. Yeah, he was trying to be a comic, but not like besides the IMAX. It's like when you, and I didn't read comics growing up, but my cousins did. The cutouts on a comic on the page are all squares, apparently. And he I would was think trying, of them more rectangular myself, you know, more tall than yeah, thin. Yeah, me too, more rectangular. Yeah. But I read besides the IMAX, because I, I didn't realize IMAX 4x3, but that's right. It's a big square. It's not wide, 16 by 9 But he said that's the reason. But I don't, you know, I didn't mind it. If you know, everyone's got sixty-five inch TVs now I anyway. Know, it just so. looks stupid. I don't know. The whole yeah. thing, the the length of it, the pace of it, the I, I would I would argue there was too a, much backstory. Where like Marvel gets all the backstories out in all their individual movies, so that when you get to Avengers or Endgame, all that, like we're just getting the fucking story. I, I think that like if you're comparing, you know, a superhero epic between like any of the Avengers movies and Justice League, yeah, there's no. There's no comparison. No. And until they can make a movie that is under three hours, shot in the correct aspect ratio. Endgame was three hours, though. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. In and or around three hours. Yeah. Uh, I don't know like why anyone would want to see another one of those films. And what's crazy to me is that this Snyder Cut is getting tons of views, tons of positive... Positive reception. Yeah. And I guess maybe it's just me not accounting for like the, the fandom of DC people. Because you're just not used to hearing from it. I think it's people that enjoy the Snyder aspect of it. Like even the the very first scene, the drawn out of him getting killed and the echo sound waves, like and the slow-mo and the blood. I'm like, it was very three hundred and very like 
because I'm thinking I'm like going through Snyder's he's did the I forgot he did the Watchmen so like wow his movies oh, all of the like all of like the slow cut scenes where it's just like analyzing everything and everything's over analyzed like that's that's Snyder for you I listen so that's a lot I, of his films are I didn't even know he did Watchmen Watchmen's one of my favorite movies Zack Snyder yeah so I didn't even know that obviously 300 is sick yeah so he he can make a good movie. I, I think it's funny, like, I, I watched a couple YouTube videos where they were showing scene-by-scene scene cutouts of between, like, okay. a Whedon film scene and a Snyder film scene. Cinematography-wise, he's blowing Whedon out of the water. Of course. No question. It's just, like, you it's could... It's unnecessary, though. Yeah. It's, like, this. four hours. Come on. Yeah. Um, before we started recording, you mentioned uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which we both enjoy quite a bit. What, what would you say is, like, your... Maybe not your favorite movie of all time, but top three favorite movies? <sighs> Believe it or not, it's none of those fantasy movies. Um, just maybe just from high school, just smoking a lot of weed, and just like getting stoned watch this movie. My two favorite movies were Kill Bill Volume 1 and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. All right, nice. And I could tell you, and Sweet would get attest to this, I probably didn't, if I was sober, I didn't remember the first 30 to 40 minutes of Kill Bill for the multiple times of watching it. We just get that baked, you know, because he's always like, oh, we gotta, no, not a joint. He'd have these... Things called these roar bongs, which are these like the company doesn't exist anymore, based out of Germany. These special slits in the glass ice catchers and these um, bubble diffusers. So you take one rip from that and you're, you're on Jupiter. You were just <laughs> gone. So, regardless, no, I, I enjoy, I'm like a Tarantino nut. Like, that's more my thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not a, not a Tarantino fan. I, yeah. I like a lot of his movies. I dislike some of his movies. He's another guy who. Like loves to suck his own dick a little bit in his films. He deserves that. I mean, once point. once upon a, uh, yes and no. Like I thought, once upon a time in Hollywood was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Do we see that together? No. Okay. I, I thought for some reason we saw that together. Uh, I mean, that's definitely one of my favorite movies. I, I I mean, I think the big thing with Tarantino is like his performances that he's able to get out of his actors mm-hmm. are probably on another level compared to other directors. But like sometimes it's like, dude, come on, chill out. Like, really? yeah, I like, feel like he commands that respect now, though. But maybe oh, not oh, back, yeah. not back in the Pulp Fiction era. Oh no, because no. all he had was Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm a Tarantino fan. I, I, like, it, I'll see any movie he makes just because of who he is. Um, I, I'm curious what's uh, what it is about Fear and Loathing that you like. I mean, it's not a bad movie. I just like have such a hard time looking back on Johnny Depp movies and. Like, well, because of his personal life now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I always separate church from state with that. <laughs> I mean, t- when he was with, An- like, because Amber Heard was in Pineapple Express, that totally, like, clipped out of my mind. Yeah, she's wow. Seth Rogen's girlfriend oh in my Pineapple God. Express. Wow. Yeah, I mean, like, you're in your 50s, and, like, she's, I'm pretty sure she's either our age or young, and it's like, she's the definitely fuck you doing? Yeah. Bro. So, uh, that's when I knew, all right, this marriage is not good. You own islands, and you're spending, like, $80,000 a month on wine. Well, like, yeah. you know this is not... Go anywhere. So you're obviously you're a raging alcoholic and you have too much money so no one's stopping you. Now you get like a 30-year-old, probably she's a lunatic too. It's not going to be good. Yeah. But that movie, honestly, it's the comedy aspect of it. But if you've seen Fear I mean, and Loathing... I was going to say, the source material for me, the book. I've actually never read the book. Oh, I want to read it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I'm embarrassed to say that because I used to have posters and everything, but I've never... That is read. surprising. Well, put it on Amazon, order it. I have read The Rum Diary though. Okay. Okay. And so I actually I never saw the Rum Diary movie. I've read the book. That's where he met Amber Heard. No way. She was, yeah. So he was himself was in, in that, and that's, she was the, the main female tag oh. in that. That's so how they got together. Didn't realize that. 
Yeah, it was a real like kind of under the radar, like all like the fear and loathing nuts went and saw it. But what I was saying about fear and loathing is the first 45 minutes are just ridiculous because it's all these drug and acid trips. But then the movie kind of takes a real slowdown and like they kidnap like Christina Ricci for a yeah. while and like it gets all dark. But the movie really has no resolve to it. They kind of just all go away. But I just mainly for the beginning part of it, it was so ridiculous. And then knowing that it probably happened in real life is just amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's like, well, yeah, his it's interpretation their best of it, but yeah. <laughs> or best recollection of it. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a fucking lunatic. And they think like Tobey Maguire, like how he even got that role. He was the hitchhiker kid in the beginning. Wow. I, see, this is the other thing about getting old. Like when you mentioned Amber Heard and Pineapple Express, that completely forgot that. Definitely forgot that Tobey Maguire was in fucking... Fear yeah, he's the hitchhiker and like they just like bug him the fuck out in the beginning. Wow. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's another weirdo who just like disappeared off the face of the earth. And like, I know he had a whole bunch of money, but I think the third Spider-Man was just the problem. That movie was real bad. <laughs> Dancing was, like, all over the place. He, yeah, he got all dark because he was the dark Spider-Man before uh, Venom stepped into it. Yeah, that was that was no good. Yeah, plus also he's got like I would bet like a hundred million dollars. Well, yeah. whatever he has in gambling. Well, he's life. in the Brad Pack. He's like friends with DiCaprio and he's Kevin Conley. He's got a big, and... big gambling problem. I don't know if you know that. No. Like so, Molly's game. You ever see Molly's Game? Mm-mm. So Molly's Game. So remember Orlando Bloom? He was a Olympic skier. He played on the Philadelphia Eagles for a little while, but like X Games skiing, like he would do the moguls, the slaloms, so like he's, whatever. He's a pro. Yeah, he's a pro. Um, he would do yeah the moguls and then like do the aerial thing at the end. He was in the Olympics and then he played a little bit at yeah. the University of Colorado football and then played in the NFL for a bit. All right. His sister Molly Bloom. Watch the movie. It's incredible. She's played by, I think, Jessica Chastain. Okay. And she kills it in the movie. But long story short, she was like this super genius girl who's like going through school, going through college, couldn't figure out what she wanted to do. Ends up stumbling into like being a hostess or a drink girl at a poker game. And then she starts hosting her own like big time underground poker game. And one of the characters in in the movie is played by Topher Grace who's, I think, supposed to be the Tobey Maguire of, hate, of the him. real life. Really? Yeah. Well, it's funny, but long story <laughs> short, watch the movie because she turned into this like gigantic, like she got indicted on like federal charges, like racketeering, like this whole big thing. Because so, like, I didn't realize this. You got to watch the movie. It's really good. Wait, it's, is this like based on true? Based on true story. And Topher Grace was really involved. No, Tobey oh, Maguire. Tobey Maguire. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So like, to, I think Topher Grace was playing the Tobey Maguire person oh, in, gotcha. in the film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, really good movie. I go watch it. It you'll blow through it in less than four nights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I gotta than, see. <laughs> be able to be a father of two. I won't be sleeping. Yeah. I want to see that. Um, the movie, see, this is what I'm talking about, random knowledge. I don't know the actor's name, but he's the bad guy in Casino Royale. It's the foreign movie where he's oh, the teacher, where I they all drink. It. Second, yeah. some, what's it called? Uh, Another Round? Another Round. Yeah. I just, I, taught, I told you to watch it. Yeah. It's incredible. I watched the trail. I'm like, all right, get into this. So I've got a love-hate relationship with foreign film. Um, I don't mind reading subtitles if it's an, a non-action movie. So mm-hmm. that's what this falls into. Like, I don't want to be watching, like, a chaotic film and trying to read subtitles. Yeah. Like, a normal film, just... Dialogue, you know, like, all right, uh, my eyes don't need to see what's really going on. I got to read this. Right. Yeah. Um, so, it's in Dutch or Danish or whatever. Uh, Netherlands. Northern European yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. Um, yeah. Mads Milkinson, I think is his name. Yep. Uh, he should win an award. I mean, he was genuinely... I think they're, are they up at the Oscars? I think they I are. I think they should be. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it was this year or last year that that film was eligible for, but man, uh, 
it was heavy. It was like, you know, they're, the premises, they, they're teachers at a school and they read this paper about how everyone should have their... 0. 0.05. 0. 0.05 So alcohol. right under the limit. Yeah. yeah uh, just have a little bit of a buzz and how it will impact and benefit your life. And it's just really good. I, like I, I, for everyone listening, highly recommend it. I think it's... But they don't stay at 0. 0.05. Oh, no, for sure not. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough, 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 low level to kind of maintain, and uh, but it's not depressing like Requiem for a Dream" kind of ending, though. No, it is depressing. <laughs> it is not a happy. It is mostly not a happy movie. Okay. It is a very real, very. Uh, it's very real. It's the kind of movie you would expect if a bunch of friends decided to be drunk every so, day some, together. Somebody's not going to make it. It's just. It's a lot. It's a good film. It's a really good film, and. Uh, and the subtitles doesn't detract from the fact that uh, the performances were, were really good. Um, you mentioned that you hadn't read uh, Fear, Fear and Loathing, Loathing. Las Vegas. Are you a big reader? I mean, I know being a dad, you don't have that much time in the, in, in you know nights, but like, do you find yourself? I've, I, I found myself yeah. reading a lot in the last year. We talked about this a little bit off air. Um, not a lot of fiction, actually. So I've read uh, Goggins' book, and I have a lot of, uh, just I'm a big science nut. I have a lot of Neil deGrasse Tyson books. Yeah, he's. There's some times where I'm just reading. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is going. Hundred percent. Now, like, what is this? Hundred percent. I picked up the one you told me to. Uh, Death by a black hole. Death by a black hole. Yeah. I read probably twenty to thirty pages. Didn't retain any knowledge from it. Like, couldn't understand it. Yeah. It's just like I want to. I I liked watching. What was the show that he did on Fox? Uh, Forget the name of it. I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's such a media guy. He's the front office for space. <laughs> yeah, he's the front office. For, like that's yeah. a great, great adjective. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I like the show that he did on Fox. Cosmos. Cosmos. Yeah. Yeah. I just I've known it on. It's on Netflix too. Right. Right. Yeah. So I like that a lot. I watched. That was appointment television when it was on. Um, his writing's not good. It's just not conducive for like retaining knowledge and like being entertaining. It's a scientist writing. It's yeah. a scientist. Yeah, it's right. not like written for like an author writes it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I like him as, like, a media person on TV, and, like, the show Cosmos is great, but the book's just... I mean, could you really have, like, a ghostwriter? See, like, the Goggins book, like, it's his story, but he had someone come in and, like, kind of straighten it all out, so it was, like, an enjoyable, like, like a movie kind of story, but could you really do that with, you know, science stuff? I don't know, not? maybe. You could have, like, a, a you know... A really good editor. <laughs> really dumb it down. Just a little bit. Yeah, Death by Black Hole for dummies. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'll read the Cliff Notes version. But um, as far as books, no, nah, no. I mean, I, I miss reading like The Great Gatsby and uh, oh man, all these books that are slipped my like Animal Farm and all that back in high school. Nineteen eighty four. Yeah, I actually never read that. Really? So I don't think right. I was put, in honors. They they they, they skipped. Put that for put me. that on your list. Uh, it's just super relevant in twenty twenty one tech driven world. It's it's very interesting goes along with like the the circle i don't know if you ever read that book uh it's a movie but the movie was terrible with like emma watson and tom hanks you think it would be good oh that's right i was, remember seeing the trailer of the two i'm like that's a weird yeah dynamic, it was, it was, right. it was bad unfortunately the book was very good but i bring up books because i just recently finished uh calculating god um which is fiction it's not like you know religious based or whatever but it's the premise of the book is like uh, a spaceship lands in Toronto and right outside of a museum and an alien walks into the museum and asks to speak to a paleontologist. And then it's just basically the story of, you know, trying to prove the existence of quote unquote God and or, you know, ones and zeros, whatever that person, he, she, it might be. And uh, I found it to be a super quick and simple read, but the premise of, you know, 
kind of uh, articulating the afterlife and like the higher power is not something that falls within a specific religion, but like something else entirely. I think it was a good read. I, I've recommended it a couple times on my podcast and for people to read. So what is the, without giving too much away, what's the aliens take on it? Because that's that the whole God th- exists. Oh, believes that God exists. Yeah. See, that's interesting because the whole thing about aliens that religious people don't want to hear is, you know, that earth is the center of the universe. And we've talked about this, um, that it, if there were aliens, then that all just gets debunked and thrown out the window because we're not the center of the universe anymore. So yeah. is that brought we, up at all? Yeah. Yes. or no. Uh, I don't want, I, I would give too much away. Okay. Um, I, I think you would really like it because you and I have had super deep conversations about the you know, Fermi paradox. Fermi paradox, yeah. Fermi, and, Fermi paradox. And, uh, and you couldn't figure out. You got to find that book for me. I know. Fuck shit. <laughs> uh, remind me after we're done. Uh, yeah, I do have to find that book. Um, but yeah, so it, I think you would like it. It's it's kind of channeling two distinct things that like we both have an interest in talking about. That I think. Yeah, I was not sold on that paradox, and then thinking about it time after time, like you know what, that's not a bad idea. That's that, that sounds pretty right. That's why when you read this book, it will make it even more interesting to you about you know the concept of the paradox and like how it would relate to whether there is alien life out there. Yeah, the only and do you follow NASA on uh, Instagram? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, when you start talking about like light years, so that's like you know light moves one hundred eighty six thousand miles per second and then in a human year maybe the truth is that okay if we all start the same time look we can barely it takes us nine months to get to mars maybe space is just too big so i have a thought i'm sorry space is too big space is too big that's why yeah for sure we don't have the technology to like view enough of it and the amount of time that it takes to view it. 2% of the sky is at any time what we could see. Right. It's so nothing. it's like, it's just <laughs> the sheer amount of time that it would take to view enough of it to get the likelihood that you're going to see something that would be like, oh, that could be, you know, extraterrestrial life. Yeah. is just going to be difficult. I mean, you look at all the UFO shit that's been happening lately, though, and it's like, there's no question that uh, aliens exist. Yeah, that could also just be, you know, you know technology that we're just being suppressed about. So. You don't think so? Nah, I don't think so. You don't want to go down that so, Alex Jones rabbit hole right now? I don't now. think so. I mean, my... I'm just going to tell you. okay. <laughs> oh, God. I would say it is less likely that we are the only advanced civilization in the history of the world, in the history of space and time, that we're the only ones. And you could look at it twofold. It seems highly unlikely that we are the only intelligent race. Like, just based on size, I, th- I would say it's impossible and super narcissistic to think that. Mm-hmm. And then number two, let's say, for example, that we are the only intelligent life out there. There's no possible way that this wasn't like man, you know, designed by a creator because like just the sheer chance that like, I, I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think it's plausible that it's both right. There is a, a additional life out there and we, and they helped us. Yeah. And or I feel like the, and, each, ancient Egypt is definitely the biggest concept of that because let's look at like a thousand AD, like when it was just like, you know, serfs and lords and like people in like the UK and they're living like in mud homes, like, and then 3000 years ago, they're building pyramids and sphinx and all that. So what? It's a what, big jump. It's a huge jump. Now you could say that that whole intelligence got wiped away, which is very believable with the plague or something like that. But I don't know. I just feel like it would be written down somewhere. Like yeah. how you go from that intelligence back to like 
that's sim- almost simple man. It's ultimately why the two book recommendations that I have for you are Calculating God and then any book that was written by A.G. Riddle. Um, I don't know if he wrote about the Fermi Paradox, the fictional book that I was talking to you about, but he definitely has a bunch of novels that talk about extraterrestrial life and like really cool shit um, and, and things that you would like if you can, you know, I know you're about to have a second kid, but, you know, in the few minutes that you have pooping a day, you could read it like a child. No, and I could <laughs> talk about it with you because uh, I, I, you know, when I'm home and I want to think about all these things like this, for some reason, scares the shit out of my wife, like... The movie she's afraid of the most of is Interstellar. Really, I love that movie. I love talk it too. about one of my favorite movies, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. The whole thing, uh, black holes, the fact that they're real—they just they scare the, the, the crap out of her. The concept of how big space is, and that the vortex of a black hole that space time is, you know, is compromised at that point just scares her. That uh, that exists. So I can't ever watch that movie when I'm home. I've wanted to see it like eight times. Oh, you haven't like, seen it? I've seen it, but oh. I wanted to like, when the pandemic was at its peak, I'm like, I want to watch the movie again. She's like, no way. <laughs> you could watch it by yourself, right? I could watch it by myself, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's definitely in my top five. Very well done. Yeah, yeah. awesome movie. And, and I think if you like that movie, you'll definitely like the books by A.G. Riddle because they're very much in that storyteller vein. About okay. like, you know, yeah, I think you'd like it. How like we are our aliens kind of thing, like yeah, which is like basically the premise of Interstellar. Yeah, isn't uh, what's the one with Amy Adams is kind of that as well, right? Arrival. Arrival. I didn't realize that this was going to turn into a movie podcast. <laughs> I figured it was going to go that way anyway, <laughs> and I want to actually circle back around to foreign movies. We both fall. I I always post the. I don't know if you follow that fucking good movies oh, on yeah. uh, Instagram. They always give like this, like the list, like uh, best movies of the nineties. But then they always put out like recurring every couple of months, like their top movies. There's a foreign one called Lahain or whatever. Have you ever seen that? No. They show clips of it. It's in black and white. The guy that's the Night Fox from Ocean's Twelve is the main character in it. Night Fox. He's a, like yeah. Oh, he's he like leaves the, the fox. He's like French. That, that, that actor. He's French, right? Yeah. In real life. In real life. That yeah. actor's the main Anthony character in Anthony Castell life. or something like that? Yeah. That's his name, yeah. And they always put this movie in the top 10. Like the rest of them I've heard of, like it could be like Gone with the Winds or Clockwork Orange and all that, but they always throw this foreign movie and they put it on a pedestal and like want to see if maybe you've ever seen it. I mean, I see pretty much everything. Um, I just recently for the first time watched Casablanca and... Uh, Gone with the Wind? Well, I've seen Gone with the Wind, but uh, what's the other one? Uh, Orson Welles. Um, oh, my God. Why am I forgetting it? Um, Citizen Kane. Yeah, Citizen Kane. Yep. So I recently just watched those like in the last two weeks. Um, and that has Joseph Cotton in it, too. There's not another so bad. Uh, Shadow of a Doubt is another uh, good. Joseph Cotton was the guy that was opposite of Orson Welles and Citizen Kane. Okay. His like, friend. Yeah, those are all those RKO movies are good. Yeah, so I, I, like, I watch everything. I haven't seen that movie... Laheim or whatever, but I'll definitely look it yeah, up. I think and it's from like it out. 95 or something like that. But Fun yeah. story about the main character. You're talking about the Night Fox, S- Night Fox guy. Yeah. He's 50-something years old. Doesn't look it. He looks great. I mean, he's a French guy, right? They've got yeah. no cares in the world. He has a 18-year-old girlfriend. That seems a very European thing to do. It's fucking insane, though. <laughs> yeah, very, very Johnny. Well, yeah, Johnny Depp's ex-wife from... He had a wife prior to Amber Heard for like 20 years where we were French. So, you know, it's like that French mentality. Oh, you know? It's super weird. Um, <laughs> but like I went, I was going down an Instagram rabbit hole and yeah. I saw this guy. I think his name's Tony Castell or something like that. He doesn't have Instagram, but he kept getting tagged in these pictures of him in this like young model and this mod, like 
this girl looks like she's like 16. Like, what the fuck is going on? They've been together for longer than a year, and I'm saying she's like 18 now. And I know it's different in America versus, in, you know, over in I Europe. I have a story and, about that. Oh, uh, please go. Um, and you know what? I guess I'll tag this to myself, and I'm not putting any bad attention to my family. I can't believe I'm telling this story, but mm. my cousin Gabrielle and Peter know this. So 11 years ago, I spent two weeks in Italy. So I have family over there. My f- of all the places in Italy that my family are from, they're from the Amalfi Coast. Not Sweet. a bad situation. Yeah, not, not so bad. So my mom's Italian cousin, so they're both the same age. They're in their 60s, have, well, then the 50s and have kids. And there was like a 16-year-old. And at the time, in 2000, how old were we in like 2010? We were like uh, 20, 24, yeah, 25. 23, 24, 25, whatever. 16-year-old and, you know, both like beautiful girls, like her and her younger sister, and they both tried to like hook up with me and my cousin Pete, oh. and they thought like nothing of that. Like we would go out to these discotheques real at four in the morning, like actual, real cousins, yeah, real cousins. And, and they're not from Alabama. This was Italy, Italy. But you know, like ah, I yeah. went in Italy. Like I was single again. Nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened <laughs> because disclaimer. it's underage. But this is why I want to tell this story. But um, you know, she got a little intoxicated. She came up and she's like. Yes, you are. You're very, you're very, you're, you're gorgeous and everything. Like, I really like you. And I'm like, oh, that, that's great. And I'm like, but I didn't even say like, oh, we're cousins. I'm like, yeah, that's just, that's not, it's not going to fly. Yeah. And then tried for like my cousin Pete stayed, who you've met yeah. at my bachelor party, stayed another week. And then she just moved on to him. Try. But again, I, I hope nothing ever happened. I there, mean, I'm disclaimer, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Sure. Nothing happened in this story. But uh, I, again, it's all in the past, but. Uh, my cousins so that were there could thing. back this up. It's a European thing. I guess it's, it's a European saying. thing. So Just like me, like no if, fault. Like I, I know, like at the end of the day, like I'm 35, but like I couldn't date a 21 year old girl. Yeah. Like let alone if I'm 52 to 55 dating an 18 or. Well, we were like seven, eight years apart, and distant distant family i mean a cousin That's of a different. cousin cousin another it's continent not, it's not a lot of age right i'm just saying in general that is insanely young like insanely she just young. just turned 16 that's crazy but again there's no age limit we were going to a miami-esque discotheque like some abisa style spot and they just don't id you actually this spot we went to they don't, this was so like underground, like there's the touristy spots to go in like all of Europe and Italy. When we get to the door of this place, it was on the beach at night. They're like, to me and my cousin Pete, I'm like, you two, shut the fuck up. You don't say a word because if you open your mouth and they know you're American, we can't get in here. So everybody that was in there was local Italians that were there. So we had to just, and we even tried like, like picking fake up. it, yeah. So we just kept our mouths shut because when you got to the... It was almost like uh, eyes wide shut. Like there was like a gatehouse yeah. and there were like two like bodyguard dudes and they look at everyone, they flashlight in the car and we just didn't say anything. And we drove and let us in sick club. It was called like BLU nightclub at like La Brazi. It's right at the, the point and you could see like Capri in the distance. And uh, yeah, we would try talking to all the Italian girls that were our age and they want nothing to do with us. That's really funny. Yeah, I was in Italy in 2008, so a long time ago. Yeah, and uh, every time I tried to talk to an Italian girl, she would laugh at me and walk away. I did when I was in Florence end up hooking up with uh, an American while I was there. Yeah, uh, you know, not that difficult. I did. You know why, right? Because I asked my cousin, like, why does this keep happening? Like, yeah, Americans are just—they know that you guys are. They call they're you're one and done. <laughs> like, you don't want to date them. They're nothing. So, like, they want nothing. Well, to do yeah, with you. you're on vacation. I don't live here, obviously. That, yeah. I mean, that makes total sense. Um, 
But yeah, I may or may not have told this girl and her study abroad roommate that George Clooney was my uncle and we were visiting him and that's why we were in Florence. And they believed that. I mean, yeah, I was pretty pretty intoxicated when I told the story. So like, I don't know (laughs) how much of it was they believed it or I was just being hilarious and charming. But uh, yeah, fun, fun, fun fact, fun story. So you had that, that, that beer muscle confidence, kind of like that It was time. definitely wine. Even then, I wasn't drinking beer. <laughs> yeah. I was say we like went that. in Italy. Yeah, we're in Italy. Yeah, good times. I got to get back there. My wife is like, where do we go? It's either there or Napa. I'm getting nagged about. Well, so we're both vaccinated. I don't know what travel is going to look like. Obviously, I did a cross-country trip this last year. I think you went skiing once, right? Yeah, I just went you to went Hunter skiing. Mountain. Yeah, Hunter Mountain. Oh, I thought for some reason but I've been to Colorado. Fl- I've been to Florida to see my mom. When did I think you went to Colorado? That was the year before. Jeez, yeah. that's how much time has gone by. Yeah. Anyway, um, I don't ha- I don't know what travel is going to look like, especially international travel. But the next place I'm going to, hands down, Paris. Interesting. I need to photograph the Eiffel Tower, black and white. For that sure. and the uh, the Arc, the Arc of Triumph. Yeah, is that the right way to say mm-hmm. it. And even just saying pictures of the Louvre. Yeah. You should go down into the uh, catacombs, although I don't know it's gonna, like you having a strobe down there. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, that's that's. I don't know when, I don't know where, how, what the process is going to look like, but I need to get to... Europe, Europe's going to be dicey for a little bit. I, I know, but like. I'm vaxxed. So I feel like it's going to be cheap, right? I should be able to go soon and not that expensive. Oh, it's not America. It's them probably not letting us in. No, I know. Yeah. So w- at the beginning of the pandemic and or kind of shortly after I got laid off, for my job, I was looking into going to Europe. I was like, I'm going to just backpack Europe. I was like, fuck it. Who cares? I'll be by myself. I'll be safe. I'll wear a mask, whatever. But everything was closed. So if you wanted to go to Paris, you had to quarantine for two weeks. They put you up in a hotel. And it was like $8,000 for you to stay in this hotel for two weeks. Oh, you'd have to come out of your pocket. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Okay. I was like, "Uh, mm, no, not really. I mean, that could be like many five-star hotel nights for... Like a shithole hotel that you've got to stay in for two weeks. And you or a hostel, leave. you know. You meet girls that way. Oh, no. I'm not talking about meeting girls. I'm just saying in general, yeah. like $8,000 to stay in a hotel because you can't leave. And like all your meals are in your room and everything. It's like. And Paris mm, is so cheap. Power pass. Oh, yeah. Super cheap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll get your time. I think you got to wait till uh, realistically there's all buying maybe 2023. Get out of here. Come on. We're getting there. We're getting there, but Europe is like, because I was just talking to Ross, he's like, yeah, UK, like, even with his clients, like, shut down, like, I can't get there if I want to right now. It's been a, a difficult year. I mean, I, I feel like I've had both the, like, I've had a very financially successful year, and I've had, like, a mo- mostly positive personal year. Obviously, no relationships or anything, but just, like, personal growth has been great. Um, but, like, I'm ready for normality. I mean, yeah. how's like the last year been for you? I mean, obviously you're married, you had a young son, you know, for the most part, work, juggling work and childcare and the whole nine yards. How'd, how'd you guys kind of cope with all that? Um, glad that Mel and I had each other. Uh, it definitely was a, a test to everything to the bitter end because um, daycare was shut down. So it happened March. It was March 13th was when, you know, New York went to shit. And his daycare didn't open up till pretty much July 4th. So we had to tackle work 
switch off with him every single day, take him on walks, nothing was open them, and then just have him around the clock. But you know what? It, I think it helped us grow a lot. Um, at this point, though, I'm tired of it. Like now, <laughs> he's home again for another two weeks because some kid's asymptomatic. He's not sick, but he failed oh, a, a COVID oh, test. Geez. So They're testing these little kids? Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, well, um, he had the fever, and if you have a fever, you have to go get tested. Yeah, my son, every time when they reopen back up, they got to test them. Wow, okay, yeah. I didn't realize that. So we have them now two weeks, but the one thing that was nice was back then, because the world was all shut down, my work and my wife's work was understanding, listen, we have to swap off. Now the world's work world's back to no more. No one gives a shit, so it's like it really sucks. I think, I think... We can have a very deep conversation about how corporate America has kind of handled the last year, and you've got some really great examples. I just read LinkedIn is giving everybody in their company off next week. Like the entire week, the company is closed for business. Hmm. That's a really good example of a company that's taking a shit sandwich and like doing something great with it because um, they know like what their their you know their people have done for them in the last year and just like juggling all this craziness. And it's just tough. But I think the, the number one thing I learned is like do what makes you happy and like less about, you know, what makes you financially successful. I think obviously that comes with time. But I had a very good year financially last year, but more so learning that I can do my own thing. I could work my own jobs. I can make my own money and not be reliant on someone else uh, was like a super freeing thing for me. Um, and it's just like, you know, obviously I don't know about your employer or anything like that, but like finding the people who understand that this is like an unprecedented time in history and like are going to take care of their people is super important for sure. Yeah, I agree. I, I think from what I've seen for the most part, even my company, yeah, I mean, they, they are all understanding because then to not be would be just, you know, kind of vile and wrong, but not surprising that be the case, but yeah, I've had no issues with that, but, uh, yeah, listen, it's both vaccinated and my wife actually just got her first shot so hoping for a better future but i think there'll be a lot of red tape before like things are really out of the clear and i don't want to go into politics but i think it will take longer than it should i hope not um obviously we spent a lot of time today talking about um, movies what are your thoughts on like actually going to a movie theater again because i've got two very strong feelings on it but i kind of want to know what your take is first the the virus will need to be herd immunity eradicated, in my point, before it's back. Listen, I know, like, the red states or the theaters are open because you see, like, even, like, Godzilla King Kong, like, it's out in theaters today, but it's on HBO Max. But think about that. Even with the best HEPA filters and everything, you're in a room. So even if, like, it's every other row, you're all breathing the same air for two hours. Like, it's... Or more. Yeah. I mean, an airplane, like, you know, you're making the... Com- like, that's a commitment that you know you're going somewhere or you have to go, but... To see a movie, then you just wait. And and back in the day, like I remember in the nineties, like when like Jurassic Park. I remember when it came out on June 11, 1993, and I got that movie on VHS. Then come out to like December. Like movies took forever to come out, but now it's quickly. Um, will it come back? I don't know. I think it will have to be different. It has a purpose. We, you and I, have spoken to a lot of people. That are like, listen. You have these OLED TVs, you have these crazy sound systems, and everybody has fast internet, so you could just go the streaming route, movie companies will take a hit, and just go that from here on out, but there's something about going to like IMAX, or if you're seeing like oh, a blockbuster, sure. like an Avengers or a Star yeah. Wars movie. I mean, when Captain America picked up the fucking hammer, the entire theater broke shakes. into applause, like you're not going to get that at home. No. For sure, and I completely agree. My thought process is, number one... 
the movie going experience is going to go more towards the experience level, which is going to be more recliners, more high end food. It's going to be more like going to a baseball game and less like going to a movie. So fork and screen concept, like fork and screen is going to and be even forget more. the AMC version that's in West Orange. Have you been to the IPIC in Fort Lee? I, no, I haven't. I've heard it's sick, and they just built one right at the Willowbrook Mall. An IPIC? No, it's uh, one but of it's the. It's like other. that. It's another brand, whatever it's. Yeah, those have like love seats. Like think of like the yeah, men in black, couches. like egg seats, like big couches. A legit like probably a step above TGI Friday's Cheesecake Factory. Like restaurant, the IPIC in Fort Lee, like you eat dinner there. You could also get that food. But so you could go like two hours for the movie and then full bar. I'm talking like Don Julio, 1942, Johnny Walker, wow. Blue, like everything. And then you get all that food and drink inside. And yeah, it, it makes the AMC fork and screen. It's like. That's pish posh. That's bullshit. <laughs> that's funny. So yeah, it I, needs I, to be I that. think that's probably the route that it's going to go. More of an experience, less of cram two hundred fifty people into a single theater seats next to each other. And to me, I think the number one takeaway from this year was how okay I was with paying twenty dollars instead of thirteen and watching it at home on my couch. I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, I didn't rent like Raya, The Last Dragon, or whatever. You know just because like I don't need to pay $20 to see that but like yeah it will be on the regular in 6 months right yeah. so I, I but I did pay to see a lot of movies and only rent them when $20 usually purchases a movie off of Greenland right yeah i mean i love that movie i thought it was a great movie it's not like a you know critically acclaimed amazing movie but like for 20 bucks i watched it twice you get it for 48 hours i watched it twice it was a great movie parking popcorn everything like that it, it paid for itself yeah for sure yeah, I don't know, but I feel like sorry, I keep banging the table. It's okay. <laughs> the I think we're a small percentage. Like the art of like loving the movie is our parents' age and like we're movie buffs, but it's a dying breed where like I know my brother in law, like and we talk to him all the time, he'd be fine just he's got a good sound bar, he's got a seventy five inch TV, fuck the movie theater. Goodbye. And a lot of and a lot and that's of that's the majority are, of the people. I do agree with it to some extent. I think like the the difference will be Movies like Another Round, you'll rent from home. That's not a movie-going experience. Yeah. But movies like Snyder Cut, directors, blah, 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 whatever, those big epic movies, these big, huge action movies, people are still going to want to go see. Is there enough of those to keep the doors open? Yeah. Yeah. Disney is not going to put, you know, Phase 5 or whatever of the next round of Marvel movies are straight to streaming. It's just never going to happen. They're going to put them in. Theaters. So, like the new Black Widow that's been pushed back, pushed back, that'll go to theaters. Going straight to theaters, yeah. I mean, look. Uh, the Batman movie will go to theaters. Yeah. How about the, the James Bond movie? They've been pushing it off six months out of clip. I think it's up to November now. Yeah. And they said when that came out, the Super Bowl trailer, they said only in theaters. Yeah. And I'm going to go see that movie because I fucking love James Bond movies. And my biggest thing is that, like, okay, I'm vaccinated. I, I feel safe and comfortable going out. It's also fucking sucks to sit in a movie theater for two and a half hours with a mask on. And you can't hit pause. Can't hit pause. You know, it's like, it's not it's not a great experience. And until they can come up with something that makes it like maybe little cocoon bubbles where you don't have to wear your mask the whole time. And, you know, it's just like there, there's a lot of things that I don't necessarily love about the post-COVID movie going experience, which is going to be interesting to see how they handle it. And then the place where there are theaters open all in the, uh, you know, the red states or whatnot. You know, there's not asking for, I feel like around here in the blue states, it will be like, you need to be, you know, I feel like that's got to be on a corporate end. So like AMC's the the monopoly movie line. You have to be vaccinated to go to a theater. Like, is that going to be I would imagine 
that it's going to be difficult to enforce. Um, I would imagine that there will be an attempt to do that. But like vaccination we, passports, like they call, like your cards, your passport. I don't know if that's going to happen. So I, you don't I'm, think with concerts or anything? Because now concerts, that's all coming back. Uh, MSG, like Rogan's going to be there in uh, October. Yeah. It's, it's, it's coming back. So like, but like explain to me what that looks like. Like I'm going to go to a comedy show and I'm going to sit in my seat with a mask on. And then every time I take a sip of beer, I got to pull my mask down. So it's like all these things, like there's a lot of questions that are not answered yet. Yeah. I outdoor. Mean, outdoor Giants game. Am I going to have to wear a mask? Are the, it's not going to be 100% capacity. I know I, I just read Murphy said sporting events, outdoor, you know. Sp- what percentage? They 30%. Said. Oh, so like what everybody did. Right. Yeah. But still only 30 now. Now, by the time we get to August, how many millions more people will be vaccinated? I don't know. That that I would imagine we're going to get to at least 50, maybe 60, 70% by the time the season rolls around. It's just there's all these unanswered 70% questions. 70% like you're, you're, that you're near somebody. Right. Yeah. So here's my question. Do I want to go to a giant game with a mask on while I'm trying to catch a buzz, while I'm trying to watch a game, or do I want to sit on my fucking couch and watch the game in my ultra-high-def television on my comfy couch, on my comfy chair? See, that's where I and will not say... And not pay $13 a beer. I'm in agreement with that. Like, the movies, I'm going to miss for the blockbuster end of it, but, you know, the best seat in the house is the fucking TV. That camera is always pointing at the play. Like, when you're... I enjoy that... To me, the tailgates that we always yeah. used to do... That's a lot of fun. Like that camaraderie, you, you can't you can't mimic that. Right. But the the actual games, it's better right there. Hundred percent, I agree. So like, there's a there's a lot of questions about what normalcy looks like. Obviously, it is super political. It's just so fucking stupid that that's the caveat with everything these days. But what the world looks like in six months to a year is like super in flux, and there's no no one's like, oh, this is what it's going to be. I just don't. Well. Listen, I'm not saying I want to use like Illuminati or higher powers that be. <laughs> I'm not going down the Alex Jones road, but when I see like I don't know. <laughs> the Frogs Gate, um, <laughs> that you see, all right, like MSG, like indoor arenas that they're all, everything like so. Someone at the higher up, and they have to obviously run it by maybe. I'm not saying like Biden or political, and they're like, we're gonna start doing indoor shit well, this fall. It's so the mayor. what are they figuring out? So it's the mayor, right? Who's Mayor, governor of cities, states. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the process is for like New York City. Whether they go. How can they not figure? Let's. I'm not trying to think negatively, but and cut you off. If there is another boom or there's another spike or something like that, they're making an assumption that like they just think that in the next four to five months, like things are going to be 75 percent normal. I think that because so many people are getting the shots, and you're seeing it now. There's there's a rising number of COVID cases in New Jersey right now, like a pretty significant people we, bump. People we know. Yeah. yeah. There, there's a pretty significant bump. So that's happening right now. But when you couple with the amount of people who are getting COVID and getting the vaccine, we're going to reach a tipping point where it's ultimately going to start tapering off just based on numbers. Okay. The amount of people who've been infected, the amount of people who've been vaccinated, and the amount of people that will be infected before getting vaccinated – We'll reach a certain threshold, and then once it's there, it can do nothing Half but the go bell down. curve, yeah. I don't know when that is. Um, so to answer your question, I'm not sure. But, but they, they had to figure that out. They had analysts be like, listen, by this point, if they think the mass population, I mean, I know people that aren't going to get it, which is amazing to me, but um, yeah, I guess they think, well, it's the combination. Even remember, there was no vaccination last year, and if you look at the line curve, once you hit like May, it was like 1 to 200 a day in New Jersey. So they're thinking on top of that. I don't think it was ever that low. (laughs) It was like two, it was like two, 300. It was very, very low in the summer. Yeah. Cause they opened the outdoor seating and it was, it really slowed down. Then Thanksgiving fall, it peaked back up. 
I don't know definitively. I, I can't remember honestly. Like I feel like this last year I lost. I mean, I drank away amnesia. I drank away so many of my brain cells. I don't remember what it was like. I mean, I remember it being very scary when it first started, and it was super weird. And uh, I, I think we're 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 through it. Like we're there. Like I mean, not just that because you and I are vaccinated, because there are going to be variants, and there's going to be different, um, you know, different things that uh, happen over that. Uh, but yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's going to look different. It's going to be different. It's going to be interesting to see what the timeline kind of looks like. But I think we're there. We're like we've reached the point where normalcy is about to return. And and I for one am, am excited about it. I mean, I've been single for a year in a pandemic. It's it's not been great. I'm excited about this Bud Light I'm drinking right now. It's, <laughs> it's Kirkland Light. Yeah, yeah, Kirkland Light uh, bottled water, um, which is the only thing that we brought. Uh, yeah, not for, to turn the, the tables on you. I mean, uh, since you're the host, but our. <sighs> From the dating side of it, is this just like how how do you feel like you're like excited that like for things I'm excited. to get back to normal? Yeah, I or mean, you think so, it's been that way. So normal? like in the beginning of the pandemic, I was single, obviously. Um, so that carried through for the last year. Um, for the most part, in the beginning, I did the online dating. I did some FaceTime dating. Um, I just don't think that's uh, any way to get to know a person. Like, let alone, I hate FaceTiming in general, let alone FaceTiming with a stranger who you've never met before and you're meeting for the first time digitally. It just really didn't do it for me. So May, June, you know, March, April, May, whenever this all started and a couple months after the pandemic kind of sent us all home, uh, I deleted the apps. I didn't really do anything. But in the last couple of weeks, yeah, I'm, I'm back on. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to going out. Um, but you'll, yeah. go, you'll go out like especially if the person's also vaccinated you'll, you'll go out and meet somebody I'll go out with someone who's not vaccinated I don't think that you know my concern for getting the disease now is not that high I mean I know it's only X percent likely but I think you still have to wait two weeks from the shot sure whatever my point <laughs> is so like even if I get COVID now yeah. the likelihood of it killing me is so low in and of itself let alone the fact that I now have some immunity to it I won't be afraid to get it so I'm I'm more willing to go out, eat in inside in an indoor restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know I, I don't have a problem with outdoors. Like that's fine. But you know all my family pretty much is vaccinated at this point. Just waiting on my dad to get his last shot. So it's like you know we've got Easter tomorrow. If you weren't vaccinated completely and I wasn't vaccinated completely, I don't know that I would have felt super comfortable. You know it's understandable. Yeah, you know I'm going to see everyone tomorrow, and then oh god, you know what if you were sick and then I got it, then I gave it to my whole family. Like my sister in law is pregnant. It's just like it's crazy. It's how that Bing Bang Bing Bing Bing, and that's like what the last year's it's like been the like. game of Clue, like where yeah. they come from. You know, it's Rick Mignoli in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, w- with the torch. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I uh, I'm excited for things to get back to normal. Um, you know I'm I'm ready to. You know, I don't not looking for my soulmate tomorrow, but I'm certainly ready to you know be dating and and you know see what's out there. It's it's been a slow year. <laughs> oh, I'll come back. Yeah. I have faith. Exactly. Uh, I'm rooting for you. I appreciate that. Um, I kind of like to end all of my podcasts with either like a recommendation or a piece of advice. Um, you know, it could be a movie you watched, a book you read, um, something someone told you, anything really, just something that you can kind of you know give to the audience. Something. Really anything. Book, movie, TV show, uh, little nugget of wisdom, literally anything. That's a... Stumper? A stumper. I mean, just because there's just so many things I could think of. uh, If I had time, I would digest that question a little bit better. (laughs) Um, And giving you something. I'm going to give you something, and then I feel we'll be 
half-assed and I know I would have thought of something better along the lines. Well, for the next time we do another episode together, you can save it for that one. Um, I know you're not in agreement with this, but I'm going to say this. And I uh, actually gave it to my other best friend and co-host. I bought him the book because, you know, he's been having some down times. But uh, the uh, Goggins book, Can't Hurt Me, uh, mm-hmm. is my one recommendation, especially with the pandemic and mental health and how people are, you know, not in a right state of mind. It's, it's a good story. I mean, people take it for, Oh yeah, he was a Navy SEAL. He did this marathon running, but came from this terrible upbringing and you'd think the guy has no hope and really just had like a miraculous life. And it shows you the limits of the one quote in the book. That's great is uh, when you think you're your absolute worst or you're, you're going to give up and quit. You still have only used 40% of what you have in the tank. Hmm. And uh, he really shows that. But yeah, I mean, again, this is no secret. If you're in the books or whatever, it's a New York Times bestseller for many years. But it's uh, Goggins' is, uh, Can't Hurt Me. Nice. I like that a lot. Um, I'm going to take the easy way out um, for my recommendation for today. And okay. that is, if you're listening to this and you haven't yet made an appointment to go get vaccinated, please go get vaccinated. It's the most important thing you could do. They're not tracking you. Joe Biden can't hear me with the shot that I got yesterday on my arm. Uh, you're probably not going to have any fertility issues, and you're probably not going to have any issues conceiving children. Read the science. Read the books. Read what's out there. Feel comfortable in getting a shot that's hopefully going to save not just everyone's. Go ahead. And if um, you're pregnant, because I know there's a lot of discrepancy in the beginning, but uh, being my wife is in her third trimester, uh, a lot of studies and a lot of doctors have okayed that, and they'll actually they'll have the antibodies born with. So if you're pregnant, it's also good to get the vaccine. Yeah, just get the shot. I mean, let's get everyone shot up. And just get the shot. Just get the shot. Just give it the uh, shot. Yeah, so just uh, go get vaccinated if you can. And uh, I think we're turning the corner, and life's about to get back to normal. Rick, it was... And one more thing before we... F- can I finish? Can I finish? Um, right, and if... You guys have uh, Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts. Well, I, I you was listen. just gonna plug you. Oh, yeah. You know what? Go let ahead. the host do the hosting duties and plug his. his I guest. didn't know if you were. I didn't know if you were gonna end it and then. I was it. going to say, Rick, thanks so much for coming over today and recording this podcast. I had so much fun. Um, obviously, you are the co-host of Beer You Are podcast at Beer You Are on Instagram at Beer You Are on Twitter. And Facebook. I will link everything in the show notes below. Thank you. Look for the Beer You Are podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Give them a follow, subscribe, rate five stars, leave a nice little review. And uh, buddy, it was so good to see you. Of course, and, as always. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Toodles. Bye bye.